you have your Bibles with you, would you open them please to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis? If I get washed away, pray for me. <laughs> Genesis chapter 13. The title of our message is The High Priority of Right Choices. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series on the patriarchs. And it's going to go all the way through our year. We're looking at Abraham, then we're going to go to Isaac, then we're going to go to Jacob, and then we're going to go to Joseph. Genesis 13, and I'd like us to begin by looking at verse 1 and 2, and there's verses 5 through 18. If you have your Bibles, would you follow as I read? And Abraham went up and out of Egypt, he and his wife Sarah, and all his family, and all of his relatives. And Lot came with him into the south. Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. Verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, was likewise very wealthy with flocks and herds and tents. And the land that they were at was not able to bear them both, that they might dwell together. For their herds were so great that there was no way they both could stay in the same grazing land. Verse 7, there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Parasites that dwelled in the land heard of the dispute. Verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, let there be no more strife, no more arguments, no more confrontation, no more dispute, I pray you. Let's have peace between me and you, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before us? Separate thyself, I pray you, from me. And if you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan. He saw how well watered it was everywhere. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The land that Lot saw was like the land of Egypt as you come into Zor. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they him and Abraham separated themselves one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Verse 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The high priority of right decisions. Our story tonight is about Abraham, but it's also about you and me. If you think the Bible is a history book that only talks about the past, you are sadly mistaken. The Bible is a contemporary book that speaks to people today like you and I. 
who likewise have the same choices and decisions to make that are very similar to what Abraham is going to make. Now we saw in previous messages that Abraham has made a foolish and wicked choice. He left the will of God. He left the word of God. He left the way of God in fear to go to Egypt. And there he dwelled in Egypt for a period of time. You say, Pastor, what's wrong with Egypt? Egypt in the Bible was a literal place, but it was also a symbolic place, a symbolic place of darkness and wickedness. Pharaoh was a real ruler, but he's also a symbolic person representing darkness itself, Satan himself. And Abraham in doubt, Abraham in fear, panicked, and as we saw, he went to Egypt seeking help, seeking relief. While in Egypt, Abraham finally realized that he had made a mistake. He, had, he was in error. His judgment was poor. His choice was bad. We saw that he confessed his sin to God. And then he departed and left Egypt. You know, when you're a born-again child of God, you will make mistakes. There will be errors in your life. There will be sin in your life. But the Spirit of God Himself will often speak to you and redirect your mind and heart to change a decision you made to what the decision should have been. God will bring you back. And He brought Abraham back by bringing Abraham out of Egypt. Now, you might sit here and say, well, sin committed, sin confessed, sin cleansed. Case closed. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Why, God forgives. The consequence of sin sometimes lingers. Just because God forgives you doesn't always mean He's going to take the consequence away from what you've done. God forgave Moses, but Moses didn't go into the promised land, did he? God forgave David, but David didn't build the temple that he wanted to build. And God forgave Abraham. But Abraham is about to sow, or should I say to reap, what he has sown in Egypt. Four things I want to lay on your heart as we look at the story of Abraham and Lot. And once again, the high priority of making right choices. Let's begin by thinking about the conflict, the conflict between Abraham and Lot. It says in verse 2, Abraham was very rich, very rich. Not just rich, very rich. Another word, his cup was not only full, it was overflowing with wealth. Where did his wealth come from, Pastor? Glad you asked. Cattle, silver, and gold. Not only was Abraham wealthy, very wealthy, Lot was wealthy. It says in verse 5, Lot also followed Abraham. And he too had flocks and herds and tents. 
probably gold and silver as well. He was a wealthy man. So you got two wealthy men who are family traveling together. Their gold and silver are not a problem, but their livestock is a problem. The great herds that they have are a problem. There's not enough grass and there's not enough water to sustain both of them. And so a confrontation takes place, a dispute takes place, an argument takes place, a Donnybrook takes place between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen over who's got first rights on the grazing land and on the water hole. And a family argument takes place. It comes to Abraham's attention. He wasn't there, but it comes to his attention. It comes to Lot's attention, though he wasn't there. Now I want you to think a couple of things about this conflict. First of all, it's over wealth. People will argue over money if they don't argue over anything else. And in that day, I suppose just like our day, some people believe that money is the magic wand, money is the magic bullet that will deliver you from all your troubles. There's some of you sitting out here looking at me right now who said, Pastor, I'm just one pay raise away from being happy. You really think that? I'm just a new house away from being happy. I'm just a new car away from being happy. I'm just a new suit away from being happy. I'm just a, a big ring away from being happy. Listen, money cannot bring you happiness. It cannot bring you joy. Money is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And too many people bend their knee to the almighty dollar. They make gold their God and silver their Savior. And they live to regret it. There's a reason why millionaires seldom smile. Because the burden of money. And so... This argument that's taking place over Abraham and his herdsmen versus Lot and his herdsmen is over wealth. They believe that wealth somehow will make them happy. But listen to me. Wealth is not always a blessing as you think. It can also be a curse. Heard about a lady who had a big diamond ring on her finger. I mean, it was huge, ladies. Three or four carats huge. I mean, you couldn't miss that thing from a country mile. And somebody said to her, is that the Hope Diamond you're wearing? She said, no, that's the Rosenberg Diamond. And the person said, well, does that diamond come with a curse just like the Hope Diamond? She said, it sure does, Mr. Rosenberg. <laughs> If you're not careful, money can be a source of conflict between you and others. It was between Abraham and Lot's servants. This dispute is not only about wealth, it's also around the wicked. Abraham is a man of the true and the living God. 
Lot is a man whose God is the true and living God of the Bible. They're believers, as we would call them today. They're born-again Christians, to use our vernacular for their time. But they're in a land where most of the people are pagans or idolaters. They're in the land of the Canaanites. They're in the land of the Parasites. And these people do not worship the God of heaven. And as this quarrel is going on between Abraham and Lot, the quarrel gets outside the family circle, as many times quarrels will do. It gets on the street. They allowed their business to get out of the church onto the street. And the Canaanites heard about it. The parasites heard about it. And they wondered, how can they tell us he's the way, the truth, and the life when they fuss and fight like cats and dogs among themselves? Is that not a good question to ask? How can we tell people we're the way the truth and the life, and we know the way, the truth, and the life, and his name is Jesus. And yet we don't love one another in here. And we fuss and fight like cats and dogs sometimes too. The devil is mighty clever. And whatever takes place in the church will soon find its way in the street. And if you're not careful... Your reputation and testimony can be trashed out there and shame brought to Jesus. You know, there's some churches in our area that have allowed confrontation within, disputes within, argumentation within over silliness to completely destroy their ministry. They have no influence, they have no impact out there because of what takes place in here. I want to compliment you, my people, that we don't have that here. That doesn't mean we always agree, but it does mean that even in our disagreements we understand that harmony and unity are of the utmost importance, that peace is important, because it's by our love for one another that they know we're his disciples. But there was a conflict, a confrontation. It was over wealth, and it was around the wicked who scratched their head and said, how can they have the truth when they act just like we do? But let's move on to the choice of Abraham. Look at verse 8 and 9. Abraham said to Lot, he, they've heard about the dispute. Let's let there be no strife between me, you and me, between my servants and your servants. Are we not brethren? Are we not fellow believers? Is not the whole land before us? Let's separate ourselves, I pray you. And I will give you the choice, Lot. This is Abraham speaking. I'll give you the choice. 
If you choose to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose to go to the right, I'll go to the left. The choice is made in the conflict. Now let me ask you a question. Who had the right to have the choice which way they wanted to go? I'm not, not a trick question. Who had the choice? Abraham had the perfect right to make the choice. He was a patriarch. He was the older man of the family. And that day, the patriarchal man ruled the family. Abraham could have pulled rank. He could have said, I'm the patriarch. You're going to do what I tell you to do. He could have done that. He was the God-appointed leader. He could have said, God, call me. He didn't call you, Lot. And because I'm the patriarch and I'm a God-called leader, I will make the choice and you'll go the other way. Now, Abraham could have done that. But Abraham, in wisdom, gave Lot the first choice. He deferred, you might say, using football terminology, he gave the choice to Lot. You see, Abraham understood something. Peace in the family is more important than prosperity in the family. And may I say that's why you parents and grandparents would be very wise people from your pastor, listen to your pastor, that you have a will in place that you have everything in place so that when you're not here, you won't leave a chance for your family to be divided over your things. I've been around long enough to see families split, go to war with one another over money. Don't you let that happen to your family. You make sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and the L's are looped when it comes to how you want your wealth distributed when you're not here. Remember, peace over prosperity is your responsibility. And the only way there'll be peace is you spell it out. You spell it out. This is how I want it done. Heard the story about a sailor who got pushed overboard in a storm from his ship. He ended up washed ashore on a what you might call an uncharted island. And when the natives saw this white sailor, they had never seen a white man before. And so they thought he was a god, washed in from the ocean, you know, a Neptune-type character. And so they made him a god. This sailor who washed on their shore never saw a man of that color before. They said, well, he must be the god of the ocean. And they worshipped him. But there was one little clause to this worship. It would only take place for one year. For one year, he would be worshipped on that island. And then he would be moved to a deserted island. And there he would be left to die. Not a good deal, is it? 
from deity to death in one year. Well, the sailor was a pretty smart guy. He said, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so you know what he did in the year that he had? He sent some natives over to the island that he was going to be put on at the end of the year, and he commanded them to go ahead and plow the ground and plant some crops. He also commanded them to go to the island he'll be staying at and raise livestock, raise some wild pigs and some sheep and some goats. He also commanded them to go out and fish and smoke the fish and put them in the house, the smokehouse. That's pretty smart, isn't it? He's preparing for the day when he gets over there that he'll have everything he needs to carry on. What's the moral of the story? We need to be more concerned about later than now sometimes. You see, some of us are too concerned about the immediate. We don't think about the eternal. We're so consumed with today, we don't think about tomorrow. And Abraham deferred to Lot. He said, Lot, you choose which way you want to go, and I'll be happy to go the other way. But let's move on again now. We have the confrontation between Abraham and Lot and their servants, their herdsmen. We've got a choice that has to be made, and Abraham defers that choice to Lot. Well, what does Lot choose now? Where does Lot choose to go? As he looks at the grazing land, as he looks at the water holes that are out there. Well, let's look and see. Look at verse 10 through 13. Lot lifted up his eyes, and he behold, or beheld all the plain of Jordan, he saw that the plain of Jordan was well watered everywhere. It looked very similar to Zoar, which is outside the land of Egypt. Lot looked at the plain of Jordan. He journeyed east. He saw all that it had to offer. And he chose to go there. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot would dwell in the cities of the plain. The cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. What's wrong with Sodom, Pastor? The people of that city were wicked, and they were sinners of an exceeding nature. Lot's given first choice. He chooses the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities, to move his family to, to take his herds to, to live there. Once again, I come back to the point I made just a moment ago about thinking about Tomorrow, not so much today. Seeing things through the eyes of God 
not seeing things through our eyes. You see, God's eyes are eternal eyes. God sees the whole scope. Our eyes are earthly eyes, and we only see ourselves and what's good for us in the moment. And Lot got infatuated a little bit with what he saw. Oh, he saw the green grass. He saw the large watering holes. He saw a perfect place to build his mansion. <laughs> perfect place for his family to settle around him. He saw increase, but he never saw the immorality. He saw the prosperity, but he never saw the perversion. He saw the wealth, but he never saw the wickedness. He saw the money, but he never saw the monsters. He saw the fortune, but he never saw the foulness. Just like some of us, when we have choices to make, all we look at is ourself, all we look at is the pocketbook, all we look at is the now. And we never think about later. And what will the consequences of our choices be later? Lot said, if I go here, I can be Mr. Big, and I can make a lot of money. And he went there. And he lost everything. He lost everything. What did he lose? He lost his identity. From the pasture outside of Sodom and Gomorrah to the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah to moving his home inside Sodom and Gomorrah to actually raising his family in Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you imagine that? It started out in the pasture. Not going to go anywhere near them places. And then it went to the gates, and then he built a home there, then he raised his family there. And Lot became a sodomite listen to me, he didn't become a sodomite by their behavior. He became a sodomite by his beliefs. Exposure to the sun will tan your body. Exposure to sin will taint your soul. And you hang around sinful things long enough, you won't change the sinfulness, the sinfulness will change you. Good plus bad will always produce bad. And sometimes we think if we just get with this boy, or we just get with this girl, or we just get with this family, or we just get with this job, or we just go here, or we just go there, our godly influence will change everybody and make a difference. Listen to me. No, it won't. It'll ruin you. It ruined Lot. He lost his identity. This man who saw the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah from afar would one day become a defender of that sin as he moved into the cities. 
he lost his identity, he would also lose his influence. You know, many people believe Lot was elected to become the mayor of Sodom. This man who claims to know the true and living God, this man who claims to, to know what holiness and righteousness is, is now the mayor of one of the most ungodly cities that has ever existed. But he's not respected. He's not respected. He stood for nothing. He was your typical politician. He said what he needed to say when he needed to say it. He did what he needed to do when he needed to do it. He was not a man of convictions. He was a pragmatist. Whatever worked, that's what he did. He lost his identity, but he lost his influence. Do you know Lot never won one single person to the Lord? Not one single person did he ever bring to the living God. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because you remember when Abraham prayed to God to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction? And Abraham prayed that because Lot lived there? You remember the Lord said, Abraham, if, if I can find just ten righteous people, just ten, ten saved people, I won't destroy those cities. And God couldn't find ten. Can you imagine that? The Lord said, if I, could, I will not destroy Somerville, South Carolina, if I can just find ten born-again Christians in this city. And God surveyed those two cities. He even surveyed Lot's family. And counting Lot's wife, his daughters, the son-in-laws, the grandchildren. And Lot himself, there wasn't ten saved. Some of Lot's own family didn't even know the Lord. But Lot made the choice. Big shot, big money. I'm going over here. They won't change me. Oh, they did change him. He lost his identity, lost his influence. He lost his happiness. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, it says of Lot, he, it, what he saw and what he experienced vexed his righteous soul. Lot cringed every time he heard someone speak. Because the language of Sodom and Gomorrah was profanity and vulgarity. He cringed every time he saw someone take a drink. Because the drink of Sodom and Gomorrah was whiskey and beer. He cringed every time he saw couples walk by. Because these couples were man with man, woman with woman. Man with women, woman with men. 
And I won't gross you out by telling you other combinations that were there. He cringed every time he saw the occultic practices and the sorcery, the darkness that was there. He cringed every time he saw the cruelty of man to man. Oh, it vexed him. But it didn't vex him enough to leave. He stayed right there. Miserable as he could be. But he stayed. Why? Because he wanted to be a big shot and have a lot of money. He also lost his possessions. You know, remember what happened? We'll pick up this story a little bit later, but because ten righteous people couldn't be found, God brought judgment against the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And everything that Lot said was so near and dear to him, he lost. He lost everything in the explosion of God upon those two cities. The devil will give you a lot on the front end, but he'll take it all back on the back end. There's pleasure in sin for a season on the front end, but on the back end you will find nothing but misery. And not only did he lose his identity and his influence and his happiness and his possessions, but you know he lost his very family. He moved them all with him. And you know the story of Lot's wife. She turned into a pillar of what? His son-in-laws perished. His daughters turned out to be ungodly. Everything that Lot thought he could hold to, it slipped through his hands like water. And it will ours too. Let's close as time runs out by looking at the command of God, verses 14 through 18. God speaks to Abraham, and he really blesses Abraham for deferring the choice to Lot. Because remember, Abraham was all about peace, not prosperity. But notice what it says in verse 15 and 16. God says to Abraham, For all the land which you see, all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then thy seed also shall be numbered. Abraham sees the destruction of Lot. And I'm sure he wept. You see, he loved his family, but he couldn't stop his family from making wrong choices that would bring disastrous decisions. And Lot made them. And so when Lot left with nothing, it broke Abraham's heart. When he saw everything that Lot had done, invested in go up in smoke it bothered Abraham 
Yet it was in Abraham's sorrow over Lot that God spoke to Abraham. And he said, you don't have any land, Abraham. You gave it to Lot. But I'm giving you all of this land. Look at there. It's all yours. In giving Lot the first choice, I'm giving you a choice. It's all yours. Every bit of it. And Abraham, you don't have any children right now. you got a nephew, but you don't have any children. But one day I'm going to give you millions of children. They're going to be the seed of your inheritance, your legacy. I'm going to give you a nation, Abraham, Israel, and I'm going to give you a people, the Jewish people. And all of it will be yours. Wow. You see, when you take the long view and you do what's right, God will bless you. When you take the short view and you do what's wrong because you think you're going to get something out of it more so than the other way, you will find that the devil is a very cruel taskmaster. And everything he gives you, he's going to demand payment for. Better make sure you'll pay the price. Because if you dance to his music, you will pay his fiddler. Sometimes it isn't what we've got down here that matters anyway, is it? What do you got up there? pastor many years ago went out to see a, a rancher. And they were having a conversation about the rancher's big spread. And the rancher said to the preacher, look out there. And the preacher looked and the rancher said, everything out there is mine. Look over there. Preacher turned and he said, everything there, everything over there is mine. Look back here. Everything back here is mine. Look over here. Everything over here, as far as you can see, is mine. I own everything, north, south, east, and west. It's mine. And the preacher said, can I ask you a question? What do you own up there? What do you own, ladies and gentlemen, up there? Because whatever you own down here, you're not taking with you. And Abraham understood. Sometimes in life, the best choice is the long choice. And the trust God choice, not the short choice, and what's best for me. Heads are bowed and eyes are bowed.